Let's take our Bibles this morning, open the book of John, John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2. We're continuing our series on um, greater than. We just started this a week ago and kind of digging into it now. Of course, this series is about Jesus being greater than everything. And we say, well, that's very simple. And it should be very simple that Jesus is greater than everything. And yet so many times we allow other things in our life and we put them greater than him. And so this morning we're going to be looking in John chapter number 2. John chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse number 13. John chapter 2, verse number 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand... And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we ask that you would just bless this morning. Uh, Lord, may our hearts be open and receptive to what you would have for us. More, more importantly, Lord, may we be obedient to what you speak to our hearts about. Lord, it's pointless for us to come and hear and listen and then to leave without actually obeying what you speak to us about. And so, Father, I pray that you just work in our lives, and may we be yielded to your Spirit, and Lord, obey where you speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at religion. Jesus is greater than religion. And uh, did you know that there are four, over 4,000 religions in the world? There's over 4,000 religions in the world today. Um, the top five religions, um, if you were to Google what are the top five religions, you would probably find these five, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and non-religious. You said non-religious, is that a religion? It is, because the non-religious basically are made up of the secular, the agnostic, the atheist, and even in those that say we don't have a religion or uh, we don't believe in God, they do. They do believe in God. They believe that they are the God. They're a God, right? So it is a religion. And uh, even in that, we, we see these uh, religions all throughout the world, right? Imagine 4,000 religions. Um, I think it's safe to say that the devil is not against religion, right? That's why there's 4,000 of them. Okay? Uh, because if the devil was for religion, there wouldn't be that many of them, right? But the devil is, or if he's against religion, there wouldn't be that many, but he's for them. And so there's, there's all kinds of religions, right? You have in this Christianity, you have those that say they believe in Jesus, but of course, uh, that is very loose in what we would say Christianity is. But all of these different religions Um, different beliefs. But what is religion? When we say there are 4,000 religions, what is religion? Is religion just a a place where people meet? Is that what religion is? Is it a group of people? If you were to look at the dictionary of what religion is, you'll find different, different definitions varying from the belief in and worship of a superhuman power or powers, especially a god or gods, all the way to personal sets or institutionalized systems of religious attitudes, belief, and practices. But when you look at all the different religions, you'll find that uh, 
religion has to do with really three things. It has to do with belief in a God, right? Uh, it has to do with worshiping that God and then somehow trying to please that God so that we can be with him forever in utopia, paradise, heaven, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Those are the three main things. Of course, there's lots of other things we could talk about religion, but those are the three things that really kind of define religion. There is a belief in a God, there is the worship of that God, and then trying to please that God so that we'll be able to be with him, right? If religion is enough, though, then why didn't Jesus just come and clean up religion? I mean, there was already religion in that day. Uh, in, in Judaism, you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees. There were already religion. You had the Herodians that were there as well, those that were kind of following Herod. Uh, of course, uh, the Romans had many different type, many gods that they worshipped, and uh, the Greeks had many gods that they worshipped, and all around the world, there was many religions during that time. So if, if religion was enough, why didn't Jesus just come and clean up religion? Or why didn't he start a new religion, if that's what it's about? Why didn't he just start a new one? You say, well, wait a minute, didn't, didn't he start Christianity? Um, no, friend, actually, Jesus did not come to start another religion. He didn't come to start another religion. Because Jesus is greater than religion. He's greater than religion. Now, I want you to think about the passage we're looking at. It says, and the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So here is a very important thing taking place in Judaism, in the Jewish customs and culture here, was called Passover. Passover was uh, the, the time that they would remember how God had delivered Israel from Egypt. They had been in bondage for 400 years in Egypt, and God had sent Moses down, and of course we know the ten plagues, and, but the last plague was going to be the death of the firstborn. And God had told Moses, you tell the, the children of Israel, if they want to escape death, then you are to take a, a, a lamb, an animal, and you are to uh, kill that animal. You are to take the blood. You are to put the blood over the, the doorpost and on the, the lentils there on the sides. And when the death angel would come through that night, whatever house had the blood on the door, the death angel would pass over that house. There would be no death in that house. So every year, God commanded Israel to remember that in this celebration called Passover. So every year, Jews would remember Passover. And uh, of course, you had the temple that God had, uh, had built there, or uh, God had designed as they had left Egypt, and God told Moses about the tabernacle they were to build. And then later on uh, in Jerusalem, uh, David gathered all the materials for the temple to be built, and then Solomon built the temple so it was no longer in, uh, in a tabernacle or uh, in, in the skin building. It was made up of different types of skins. Uh, so there was a temple that was built. And so here at the temple is where the priests would come and they would offer sacrifices and all of this. And so we find that every year, Jews from uh, around Israel and outside of Israel would come to Jerusalem to the temple, to, to worship and to offer sacrifices during Passover, which was, well, it's a good thing because it was helping them remember what God had done, right? So, so, so get the picture here. Jesus is here and he comes in and he finds, uh, he finds the, the oxen and he finds the sheep and he finds the doves and he finds the, the money changers. Of course, uh, again, during that time, money changers would be like uh, where you would go to get your, uh, an exchange rate. Like if you were going to travel to a different country, uh, if you were going to travel to some country that didn't accept dollars, you'd have to get your money changed. And so you go to a, uh, a money changer uh, and they will change your money. And uh, you definitely lose when they change your money. Believe me, right? You don't, it's not one-to-one, right? Uh, they're going to make some money off of that too. So there was the money changers because you had people coming from outside that didn't have the, the currency there. And so they would have to have these money changers. And so Jesus comes in and of course we find that uh, he makes this, this, this scourge, this whip, and he, he drives them out. And of course they ask him, what, what right do you have to do this? And 
uh, Jesus trying to, again, he's trying to help them understand who he is. He says, look, we're standing here at the temple. And he says, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. And of course, Jesus, we know, is speaking of his body. And he's prophesying about his crucifixion. He's going to die. But in three days, he's going to rise again. But they're thinking of the temple there, that physical structure. And they said, wait a minute, it took over 40 years to build this. And how do you think that you are able to raise this up in three days? By the way, it wouldn't have even taken him one day if he wanted to. Because he's God. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the spiritual aspect of it. And all throughout scripture, we find Jesus trying to, if we could say, pull people out of religion. Think about Nicodemus, a very religious man, a Pharisee. And what does Jesus tell Nicodemus? It's not about your religion. You must be born again. You think about Paul, a Pharisee, a leader of Israel, part of the religious system in Israel. And what does Jesus tell Paul? You must be born again. That's why in Acts chapter 9, Paul uh, meets the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 8 on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, he comes to know the Lord as his Savior. It wasn't about religion. You see, Jesus is greater than religion. So let's look this morning a little bit of what religion is, and then we're going to see how Jesus is greater than religion. Let's notice, first of all, we'll find that religion is selfish. Religion is selfish. Did you notice here, it says in the Jews' Passover, Jesus was, the Passover was at hand, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and notice what it says, and found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, doves, and the changes of money. Now, again, that was a customary thing. When someone came to Jerusalem, you're going to find people that sold oxen, sheep, doves. You're going to find people that changed money. Why? Because in those days, to travel was not easy. Everything was by foot. And so many times people would not be able to travel with their livestock. So they would just travel and then they would buy the oxen or they would buy the sheep or buy the doves, whatever the sacrifices were going to be. Or again, if they had different currency, they would have to get that exchange so they could be able to buy what they needed. So those, these are things that were typical that you would see in Jerusalem. You would, you would find these things. They, they were going to be there. There's no doubt about that. So why is Jesus upset? Because notice where he found them. It says, and he found in the temple those that sold these things. They were not in the marketplace where the animals and things were supposed to be. They were in the temple. Now, again, if you, if you know anything about the temple, the temple was made of different sections. You had the, the temple building itself, which they were not in the actual building, but you had the temple mount and you had the temple building and then you had the, the inner courts that would go around the, the temple and then you had the outer courts as well. And so the the animals were not actually in the temple building, but they were on the temple mount. They were there in those outer courts where they were not supposed to be. Why were they there? Well, because again, remember, religion is selfish. And we see that in two ways here. Notice, first of all, in prosperity. Ever heard of the prosperity gospel? You've probably ever seen somebody on TV saying, hey, you know, uh, God loves you so much that if you send me $500, God's going to send you $5,000. I want to write back and say, God loves you so much, you send me the $500 and God will bless you with $5,000. It's this prosperity, right? Religion is, is selfish. It's about prosperity. Because think about it. They were making a profit off of the people. The priests, the religious leaders were making a profit off of the people. The priests were getting a cut. It was not just these farmers or whoever was selling the sheep that just decided one day, oh, let's go up to the Temple Mount. No doubt the, these people that were selling said, hey, you know, this is, you know, we have to, people have to come all the way to the market and then they have to take the animals from the market up to the temple. And so, I'm sure there was probably a group of them. I cannot back this up with scripture or anything like this, but I'm sure there was probably a group of them that came to the priest one day and he said, sir, sirs, 
we have a proposition for you. You know, instead of people going all the way down to the market and having to buy their animals there and then bring them all the way up to the temple, why don't we just use part of the temple mount and people can just come and that's gonna, it's going to save them a trip all the way down to the market and it's going to save them a trip back and everything's right here and uh, we'll give you 20% as well. Um, because in order to be a, able to sell on the temple mount, they had to have the priest's approval. If the priest did not want them there, the priest would not have allowed them there. But the priests are allowing them, number one, they're desecrating the temple mount and allowing these animals to be up there. But two, they're, they're not concerned about it because all they're concerned about is self. They're making a profit off of these people. It, was no, it no longer was the, about the priests helping the people to prosper spiritually. It was now about the people being used to prosper the priests. The priests had allowed all this to be done in the temple courts instead of in the marketplace where it was supposed to be. It's interesting, even both Peter and Paul make reference to this. Not this specific case, but about religion being selfish. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Peter says there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make... Notice these next three words, merchandise of you. You know that religion is all about making merchandise of its followers. Religion is not about truly helping people to know God. Religion is simply about making profits. It's about merchandise. And the merchandise are those who believe what they're hearing. And he says they are going to make merchandise. He says these false prophets, that's religion. These religious leaders are going to come and they're going to make merchandise of you. Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by goods words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple religion is is about me it's about self and what am what can i get out of it and how can i get something right that's that's what it's all about it is selfish and that's why even these priests here were allowing these 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 animals to be brought into the the temple mount area where they should not have been because they were getting a cut it was all about what were they going to get out of it it wasn't about truly pointing people to God. It was selfish. It was prosperity. Not only was it about prosperity, but it was very ritualistic. Why were they bringing these animals to the temple? Why were these animals here? Because they were following a ritual. God had told them to offer certain sacrifices for certain things. There was sin sacrifice, there was uh, blood sacrifices, there was uh, many different types of sacrifices they would offer. That's why they had different types of animals, oxen and doves and sheep and, and bullocks and things like that. There were different sacrifices and God had, had given them these things. And so they were simply following the rituals that were given to them. These animals there so that the people could follow the rituals. But again, notice what happens. Jesus drives them out. Jesus makes this whip and he, he drives them out, even though he knew that people were following the rituals. He knew that people were taking these animals and offering them as sacrifices, just as God had said. But he takes this scourge, this whip, and he drives them out. Why? Because religion had simply made a ritual out of something. There was no heart behind it. There was no purpose behind it. It was all about the money. It was all about self. In the book of Luke, chapter 18, in verse number 11 and 12, we find this. Jesus states it very clearly. 
He says the Pharisee, was they, as the Pharisee and this publican are there in the temple, he says the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And what does the Pharisee do? He begins to list off the rituals that he does. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. God, look at how good I am. Look at how horrible this guy is over here. I mean, this guy, this publican, I mean, he's a thief. He has stolen money from people. This guy is horrible. He doesn't follow the rituals. He doesn't fast. He doesn't give tithe. I mean, he's, he's cheating people. God, I, I just want you to know how good I am. I mean, look at all the rituals that I follow. Not only do I tithe of all that I possess, but he even goes on further and talks about how he, he, they tithe of, of everything, not just financial things, but I mean, even their, their herbs and their crops and everything. Everything was a tithe to them. Everything was a ritual to them. Now, wait. This man says, look at me. The publican, the Bible says, would not even look up into heaven. Would not even raise his eyes to look up into heaven, but simply beat upon his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, let me ask you, if you know the story, Jesus says that one of these men went away righteous. One of these men went away justified. Was it the religious man or was it the non-religious man? It was the non-religious man. The religious man did not walk away justified. Why? Because religion is all about me. Look at what I can do. Look at all that I have done. Look at the rituals. Look at all the things that I follow. You see, religion is about self. Again, remember, religion, yes, they they believe there is a God, and they will try to worship that God and try to please that God into somehow thinking that 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 God will accept them into heaven. Maybe, somehow. But the question is, what God are we following? Are we just following religion as the God, and so we're doing the rituals, thinking somehow that's going to help us? Do you know what's sad? Is that many Christians, and I lose that, use that term loosely, many Christians follow the same trap. We follow the rituals. Things that maybe God had told us to do that were not bad, but we follow them without any true heart desire in what we're doing. Is it wrong to read our Bible? No, of course not. We ought to read our Bible. Every day we ought to read our Bible. But the question is, has it just become a ritual to us? Is it just a ritual now? It's just something that we do because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what the Pharisee was doing. I fast twice a week. Why? Because I'm supposed to. I give tithes of all that I possess. Why? Because I'm supposed to. That's a ritual that I'm doing. Can I ask you a question? This is going to be personal. Why are you here this morning? Is it because it's a ritual? Or we're just supposed to be here? You see, that's a ritual. You're following religion. You're following religion. If we're not here because we truly have a desire to, to grow closer to God and worship God and, and serve God together, look, it's, that's just a ritual. I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here. I just read my Bible every day because I supposed, I'm supposed to. I pray because I'm supposed to. I do these things because I'm supposed to. God, look at all these things I've done. I, you told me to do them. I did them all. You see, those are just rituals. And it's all about me. Religion is about self. Think about what he says in Amos chapter 5, in verse number 21 and 23. These are some really strong words here. If, you, if you're able to find it in your Bible, I would encourage you even to, to maybe even underline it. But notice what he says in verse 21. The very first two words, I hate. That's pretty strong. When God says, I hate something, we better pay attention. Be like, whoa, what is it that he hates? What is God saying that he absolutely hates? Well, let's look. What does he hate? He said, I hate, I despise your feast days. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't God the one that instituted the feast days? 
I thought God was the one that instituted. He's the one that told them to do these feast days. But he says, I hate, I despise your feast days. He goes on. And I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Wait a minute. Wasn't God the one that told them to bring these sacrifices and these offerings? And yet God says, I will not accept them. Though ye offer me burnt, or excuse me, neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. He said, even your singing, right? Aren't we supposed to sing praise to God? Did, did we not just sing since Jesus came into my heart? And, and didn't we sing there's power in the blood? And didn't we sing I need thee every hour? I have a cheat sheet up here that shows me what songs we just sang. That's, that's how I knew. You're like, man, how do you know all those? Didn't, didn't we just sing those? But let me ask you, why did you sing them? If it was just a ritual, then let me ask you, did that please God? Well, everybody else is singing, so I have to sing. Did that please God? When we sing that song, since Jesus came into my heart, what, man, what a change he's made since Jesus came. Did we even think about the words we were singing? Well, it's just a ritual, just something I've got to do because back in church on Sunday, I've just got to do it now. You see, when religion becomes a ritual, then we are more focused on religion than we are God. And this is why God said, I hate it. I despise it. Yes, you are doing exactly what you were told to do, but your heart is not in it. It's not for me. You're just doing it because it's a ritual and it's all about you. And God says, I hate it. I despise it. I will not accept it. See, religion is about self. It's selfish. Religion, number two, is legalistic. Religion is legalistic. All these religions, you'll find some kind of list of rules that you have to follow. And in following those rules, then maybe... If you follow enough of them and don't break too many of them, then maybe God might accept you. Judaism taught the law. Islam teaches the five pillars of the faith. Catholicism teaches the seven sacraments along with the catechism. Hinduism teaches asceticism or that uh, denying uh, the, the self of pleasure. Even religious groups in Christianity teach a bunch of rules. But guess what, though? Not one person has been able to keep all the rules that they've come up with. In fact, it's, it's so bad, even among Judaism, the rules were there and they couldn't keep them. So you know what they decided? We can't keep these rules that God made, so let's make up our own rules that we can keep. That's what they did. We can't keep these rules that God made. We can't keep no other gods before me and, and honor the Lord thy God and honor your parents and, and don't covet. We can't keep these. So let's make up a rule that says, wash your hands before you eat. That's what they did. They made up a rule. That's why they, oh, Jesus, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? That's a rule. They, they totally left aside God's rules. We can't keep those. No, duh. I wonder why you can't keep God's rules. I wonder why God even put those rules there in the first place. They weren't there for you to keep. They were there to help show you that you can't keep them. That you need a Savior because you cannot save yourself. You cannot be good enough for God. Well, we, we can't do that, so let's make up rules that we can keep so that we can look good before God. So let's wash our hands before we eat and let's make sure that we never serve anything that hasn't been washed yet, right? Let's make sure we wash everything. And so they made up all these rules and that's what's happening in religion. All these religions have rules that you have to keep and you've got to do this and the, the five pillars of, the, of, of Islam and the, and the seven sacraments and, and these rules and, and the Mormons, you've got to keep these rules over here and the Jehovah Witnesses, you've got to keep these rules and the, the Hindus, you've got to keep all these rules and don't eat certain things and, and these people over here, you've got, to, you've got to dress this way and you got to be here and do that. They're all rules. Why? Because it's all about me. I'm trying to please God and who I am and how I can be. It's legalism. And here's the problem with that. No one can keep it. No one can keep it. 
You see, that's the third thing about religion. It's lacking. It's lacking. You can have all kinds of rules, but see, here's the thing. Religion is lacking because it cannot remove what is separating us from God. What is it that separates us from God? It's called sin. And I don't care how many religions you have in the world, 4,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. You combine all of those religions together and all of those religions combined cannot remove one sin. Not one. Because religion is lacking. It cannot remove that sin. God Think about this. God had established a place of worship in the temple. He had given instruction on where to worship and even on the sacrifices. And that's where Jesus is at here in John chapter 2. He's at the heart of religion. He's right there in the temple. He's right there in Jerusalem. But why had, did God give the temple? Why did he give these sacrifices to observe? Why did he give these different things? The temple, the rituals, the sacrifices were all to be a reminder of the insufficiency of man. You cannot do it. You are insufficient. Think about it. The sacrifices, what do the sacrifices show? Sin brings death. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they had offered sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. How many sins were forgiven from those sacrifices being offered? None. You think about the temple and the two rooms that are there. You have the holy place where only the priests could go into. And then you have the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And only once a year was the high priest able to enter into the presence there. What is God showing? Because of your sin, you do not have access to God. You are separated from God. Your sin has separated the whole thing that the temple, the sacrifice of the rituals, all of it was God trying to show man, you are insufficient. You cannot do it. And religion comes and says, oh, yes, we can. Yes, we can. We'll follow the rules. We'll do the rituals. We'll do all these different things. And then surely God, maybe, hopefully, will accept us. I mean, pastor, I come every week. I sing the songs. I give my tithes. I have my Bible. I mean, surely isn't God impressed with that? No. Not if it's just a ritual. Not if it's just religion. Because religion is lacking. Sin brought separation. And through all of these things, God is trying to show us He's reminding us through the sacrifices, through the temple, through the only the high priest once a year being able to enter the Holy of Holies. Sin separates from God. And man can do nothing to bring that back. So how is Jesus greater than religion then? I'm glad you asked that question. Because this is why Jesus came. To show us that he is greater than religion. I mean, think about it. 4,000 religions in the world. Why? Because Satan is trying to hide the truth. Satan is trying to blind men. Satan is trying to make people think, you can do it. Go, go, go. You got it. And if this one doesn't work, try another one. And if that one doesn't work, try another one. Surely you'll find one that you can do. Jesus says no. No. So how is Jesus greater than religion? Well, let's look first of all in Luke chapter 9, verse number 56. Luke 9, 56. The Bible says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Think about it. Jesus' religion is selfish. Jesus is selfless. Religion says, hey, you do, 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 do. You have to do all these different things. Religion says it's all about you. Jesus says it's not about you. Jesus says it's about me and what I have done for you. Jesus said he came not to destroy men's lives, but to save. Jesus said, look, religion cannot save. If religion could save, Jesus would have just said, keep doing what you're doing. But he said, I have not come to destroy men's lives. Why? Because religion's already doing that. Religion's already destroying. Jesus said, I came to save. Because Jesus is greater than religion. Jesus is not about self. Jesus is selfless. He came for us. 
The, the priests were like, hey, we'll let you up here, but you've got to give us something. Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to be that sacrifice and you don't have to pay me anything. You don't have to pay me anything. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is willingly receive it as a gift. That's all you have to do. I'll do it all. I'll take care of it all. Because Jesus is greater than religion. He's selfless. Look in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 17. Jesus says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Remember all the laws that God has said, the, the part of legalism? Hey, people say, hey, you've got to keep all these rules, you've got to keep all these rituals, you've got to keep all these regulations and everything, and no one has been able to do it. And so we set those aside and create our own to make us look good. Jesus said, let me tell you something. All of those that you could not keep, I kept them. Everything you could not do, I did. And I want you to know, I completed it. I fulfilled it so that I could be the sacrifice that would be able to take away sin and be able to bring us back together again to God. Jesus said, that's why I came. Religion separates. Religion destroys. Religion can never bring life. Jesus said, I'm come to bring you back to God. I'm come to save you from your sin because he's greater than religion. Jesus didn't try to form a new religion. Look, Christianity, can I, I mean, be kind, Christianity is not supposed to be a religion. It's not supposed to be a religion, right? If you, if you think, well, if I can become a Baptist, then I can go to heaven, you're wrong. If I can be part of First Baptist Church, I get to go to heaven, you're wrong. Because again, you're still thinking about religion. You're thinking there's something you can do to be able to make it yourself. Well, if I can join this denomination, if I can be part of this religion and keep their rules, you're not going to make it, sir. Ma'am, you're not going to make it. Because religion brings death. That's why Jesus came to destroy that. He came to put that away because it cannot bring life. It doesn't matter how hard you try, what you do, you cannot do it. If you can do it, then there's no need for Jesus. There's no need. People say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but then I have to do these things. Then you're, you're just going back to religion. Well, I believe in Jesus, but in order to keep my salvation, then I have to do all these different things that this religion says. You're going back to religion. If you're saying that you have to believe in Jesus and then keep something or do something, then you're saying Jesus is not sufficient. You're saying what he has done on the cross is not enough. Something else has to finish it. <laughs> Let me take you to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse number 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said three words here. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave it the ghost. It's finished. Do you understand that? It is is finished jesus says there is nothing more that needs to be done if you try to say well yes i believe in jesus but then i have to do something you're saying jesus didn't finish it you're saying he didn't finish it there's something else that you have to do jesus said no it's done it's done all you have to do is receive it all you have to do is accept it well you know i, I believe in jesus but you know i think i still have to do the, the, then, then you're going back to religion you're going back to religion. There's nothing lacking in Jesus. You see, religion is lacking. In Jesus, there's nothing lacking. He's finished it. He completed it. When he said it is finished, that is exactly what he meant. There's nothing more that you and I can do to try and save ourselves because he is greater. He's greater. It's done. It's done. And what has happened in Christianity, and again, I say this loosely, is that it's become like the religions that Jesus came to do away with. We have become selfish in motivation. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? Well, if I join your church, what's it, how's it going to benefit me? What am I going to get out of it if I join your church? What's in it for me? Well, see, that's, that's, that's religion. Selfish. What's in it for me? 
We're simply following a bunch of rituals. Coming to church, singing, reading our Bible, whatever it might be. We have made religion just a bunch of rituals. It's just rituals that we're following. And therefore, our lives are lacking. We're missing something. You understand that? When, when people say, man, I, I'm, I'm discouraged and I, I'm, I'm just depressed and I'm, you know, I, I just don't understand what's going on. You know, nine times, I'm not going to say every time, but nine times out of ten. Do you know why? Because they've turned back to religion. You, you, why do people drop out of church? You know why? Because it's become a ritual to them. Why do people stop reading their Bible? Because it's become a ritual. Why do people stop telling others about Jesus Christ? Because it became a ritual. It's not really something that we feel is important. It's just a ritual, something that we're doing, and so we don't really feel like we're measuring up to all these rules and standards, and so I, I just, I'm just going to quit. Well, there's your problem. Who, who are you measuring yourself up to? Who's your standard? Is it religion? Because if it's religion, guess what? You're always going to fail. And when you follow religion and you fail, guess what religion says? You failed. And it brings death. But here's why Jesus is greater. I want you to go to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, notice in verse number 10. In John chapter 10, verse number 10, Jesus says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. By the way, that is a great example of religion. To steal, to kill, and destroy. Because they care nothing about you. But, what does he say? I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus says, I'm offering you life I'm not offering you rules and legalism. I'm offering you life. I'm not offering you rituals. I'm offering you life. And life that is more abundant. Jesus isn't offering some religion. He isn't trying to use you as merchandise. He isn't telling you to do pointless rituals week after week. He's offering you life. He's offering us life. Yes, we understand that there is eternal life in that as well. I believe we all understand John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? So we understand that Jesus offers everlasting life. But that's not all he offers. And praise God that he offers that. We don't deserve it. And if you're here today and you think somehow that religion is somehow going to save you, look, Jesus says it's not. Religion steals, destroys, and kills. That's what religion does. But Jesus says, I offer you life. But not just eternal life. Did you notice that? He says, and life more abundantly. You know what Jesus offers you? He offers you life now. Right now, not, not just eternal life. Yes, there's going to be eternal life. One day we'll be able to be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. But he says, I'm offering you life right now. I'm offering you life to be able to enjoy the, the life that we have here on the earth for however many years we might have. I'm offering you life to be able to live to the fullest, to, to use your life to bring glory and honor to God. But here's the thing. Religion is not the measuring stick. Who is? Jesus is. Jesus is. You say, but you, you said that, uh, you know, we're not supposed to follow all these rules and things, but, but doesn't Jesus have rules? One rule. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The first and greatest commandment. Because see, here's the thing. When I love him the way I should, that's the only rule I need. When I love him the way I should, I don't need all these other rules. When I love him the way I should, when I come to church on Sunday, my heart is going to be ready to sing praises and honor him. It's not just going to be rituals. 
When I love him the way I should, when I, when I get to read my Bible, there's going to be meaning to it. There's going to be purpose. What is God trying to speak to my heart about? What can I learn from him? How can I, how can I become more like him? You see, the problem is we're so worried about all these rules. We're so worried about all these lists. We're so worried about what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of it? How, what, what, what is, what, how is it going to benefit me? Can I tell you something? Instead of thinking about self, why don't we follow Jesus and be selfless? And instead of thinking about legalism and the rules, why don't we follow Jesus and say, God, I, I want to love you the way that you deserve to be loved. You gave your life for me. And so, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. It's not a rule. It's something I get to do. I get to read my Bible and I get to know about Jesus Christ and I get to know what he has for my life. I get to sing songs of praise him since Jesus came into my heart. Man, what a wonderful day that was. But instead, we have turned following Jesus into religion. And there are so many miserable Christians because it's all just rituals it's all about me I've done my duty God check see that I went to church this week check all right now God you have to take care of me this week I I, I read my Bible today God check see so you got to answer my prayer now you see it's all rituals about me about what I'm going to get out of it And Jesus said, I want to offer you life. And I want to offer you an abundant life. And here's the standard. It's me, Jesus. And Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus knows that you and I will never be perfect. Jesus knows that we are going to fail. He knows that. And when we fail, you know what he says? I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And when we fail, he says, hey, come on, get back up. Come on, get back up. You can do it. Come on, keep, keep your focus on me. Keep following me. Oh, does the world try to get us to think that we've failed and we don't deserve another chance? Absolutely. That's what religion does. Religion says, you failed, you don't deserve another chance. Yeah. Jesus says, you failed, you're absolutely right, and you're going to fail again. And again, and again, I'm going to be right here to walk through it with you. Never going to leave you. Never going to forsake you. And by the way, if, if you'll confess that sin, guess what? I'll, for, I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it. I'll, I'll make you right again. And we'll, we'll start this path again. And, and I'll use you again. You see, that's what happens when we follow Jesus. Because Jesus is greater than religion. Religion doesn't care about you. Religion doesn't care about what you do. All religion cares about is self and following the rules that we can never follow because it's lacking. It cannot offer life. But Jesus does. Jesus offers life. And that abundant life, that if we will put our focus on him and stop worrying about all the rules, stop worrying about all the rituals, to say, Lord, I just want to love you and I just want to follow you. Can I tell you something? Coming to church won't be a problem. Reading your Bible won't be a problem. Praying won't be a problem because they're not rituals anymore. They're things we get to do because we love him and we're following him and we're trying to be more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. And he has given us a life, an abundant life that we get to use to serve him and honor him. And there's nothing greater that you'll find that you can do with your life than to follow Jesus. Jesus offers life. Religion offers death. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed. No one looking about this morning. Friend, maybe you're here today and you've tried the religious way. You've been trying to follow religion. And you found that it has failed. It doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring happiness. 
All it brings is guilt because I, I fail and I fail and I fail and I never can get it right. Friend, you never will get it right. Because religion steals, kills, and destroys. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'd like to know how to have that life, that abundant life through Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. I'm tired of religion. I want to follow Jesus. I'd like to know how to have that life. No one else is looking about. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm tired of religion, and I want to know how to have life through Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just raise it up. Pastor, pray for me. Yes, God bless you. Someone else. Pastor, pray for me. Someone else. And Christian, can I ask you this morning? Has it just become rituals? Have we turned following Jesus and just to religion again? Oh, yes, there, maybe you can go back. You can know there was a time when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I remember when he gave me eternal life. He gave me that life, but, Pastor, I'm just not having that abundant life. It's all just been turned back into rituals, and it's all about me again. You say, Pastor, I want that abundant life that he offers now today i want to live that life following jesus not not about religion not about rituals not about me but about jesus christ that's the life that i want to live for him you say pastor that's me that's the life i want to live for him you just raise your hand and say pastor pray for me that's me that's the life i want to live for him yes god bless you god bless you Someone else, pastor, pray for me. That's the life I want to live. I want that abundant life. I don't want it to be just rituals. I want to follow him. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Again, as I prayed at the very beginning this morning, it does absolutely no good to come to church and allow God to speak to our heart if we're not obedient to what he speaks to our heart about. And so this is going to be the time for you to make that decision. Are you going to be obedient to him? Will you come and pray or right there in your seat? You can pray and you can make that decision. Lord, this is the life I want to live. I'm done with religion. I don't want to follow religion. I don't want it to be rituals. I want to follow Jesus Christ and experience that abundant life that he offers because Jesus is greater than religion. Father, I pray that you'd bless in the invitation. Lord, may we yield to you. May we be obedient in how you've spoken to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.